everyone. Welcome to the Belmont Journal, Belmont's own program for local hyper-local hyper news and community affairs programming. I'm your host, Roger Colton. Lime, the bike-sharing company, has announced that all riders in the United States will receive free rides on Election Day. By using the code lime to vote 18 the bike-sharing company says, Riders will get a free ride to and from their polls for one half hour. The Belmont Farmers Market has finished its season this week. The Farmers Market would like to have your feedback on their operations. You can fill out the Farmers Market survey online at belmontfarmersmarket.org. Good news for Belmont's tra public transportation riders. A bus lane has been added on Mount Auburn Street and Belmont Streets. This is a pilot implementation measure to improve the 71 and the 73 bus rides from Belmont into Harvard Square. It's especially focused on backups in, in traffic along Mount Auburn Street at the Mount Auburn Cemetery. According to State Senator Will Brownsberger's website, there is another wave of transportation improvements coming. Those improvements will occur primarily at the intersection, at the big intersection by Mount Auburn Hospital. Hello, welcome to this week in the Belmont Citizen Herald, Belmont's online and print source of news. I have with me today Joanna Juvelis, who is the, the multimedia journalist for the Citizen Herald. Thanks for stopping over. Thank you, Roger. Uh, Belmont had an attempted murder in uh, the past week. Yes, actually the attempted murder was at Mount Auburn Hospital in Cambridge, but it involved a Belmont woman, 53-year-old Tanya Bogosian. She was staying there with her father, who is a patient. He's a dementia patient. His name is Antoine. He's 86 years old. And she did attempt to murder him. Do you want to yes, uh, hear it, the story? What, uh, what happened? What did she do? There was a, a sitter assigned to the, to the patient, and he said that um, Tanya was crying, so he thought it best to leave her alone with her father and shut the curtain to give her privacy. And then when he was on the other side of the curtain, he heard her say, we're going to just stop breathing now. And when he went to see what was going on, he saw her holding a pillow over her father's face, attempting to suffocate him. And the father is okay now? The father is okay. Um, they, they, she got a psychiatric evaluation, and they found that she's definitely posed a threat. So they um, actually are holding her um, on bail, without bail, excuse me, she's being held without bail, and her next hearing is November 15th. So we will know more in the, the middle of November. Mm -hmm. uh, let's close the door on that and talk about the, the Pittsburgh shootings. The yes. Belmont Synagogue is reacting to the Pittsburgh shootings. Yes, they are. Uh, I, I interviewed Rabbi Jonathan Krauss to see what uh, they're doing in response. He did say they, they already have tightened up security at the temple because of other anti-Semitic attacks of late. So they always have the doors locked. They have security cameras. They do lockdown drills. And With the kids in their classrooms. Yes, they do. And he said it's unfortunate, but this is what it's, it's come to. And, you know, they're going to continue to look at 
the, the security to make sure that it's safe and Belmont has upped security in that area as well. And the fear is that there is there has been a growing number of anti-Semitic. There definitely has. It was reported in the New York Times. It's, it's very high. And the, the synagogue is also going to uh, host or help organize a community gathering. They are. Um, Everyone's been asking, how can we help? What can we do? So the rabbi said, what, I, what we'd really like people to do is to commit an act of justice, intentional act of justice, a compassion or healing. And then they want to share these acts at a special service for all religions on November 18th at 7 p.m. at the Belmont Watertown United Methodist Church on Common Street. So if people want to gather as a community, they should uh, gather again on November 18th at 7 p.m. Nice. at the United yeah, Methodist a, Church. It'll be a nice pre-Thanksgiving service for all religions. Uh, let's talk about um, some problems that we've had at Belmont Center restaurants. Yes. I have BU students who are uh, journalists and uh, studying to be journalists, and they did some investigative reporting on their own, mind you, and they found uh, Board of Health violations involving roaches at two local restaurants, El Centro and Kashish. In the past year, they found that those restaurants were temporarily closed because the Board of Health, when they did an inspection, found evidence of roaches. But the good news is that our Board of Health is keeping a close eye on our Belmont restaurants to make sure that they're clean and safe for diners. And the fact that these restaurants were temporarily closed doesn't mean that they are unsafe to, right. to eat. I would say they, they might even be the cleanest restaurants in Belmont at this point, um, or the, the most pest-free at this point. So it's just an, an issue that any restaurant could have, but you have to treat, you have to treat, and then they'll go away. And it's nice to know that the Board of Health is uh, out watching out for our best they interests. They definitely are, they definitely are. We have been speaking today with Joanna Juvelis, who is the multimedia journalist for the Belmont Citizen Herald, Belmont's online and print source of news. You can read about these stories and more in the Belmont Citizen Herald, both in the print edition and online at belmont.wickedlocal.com. Welcome to This Week in the Belmontonian. I have with me today Franklin Tucker, the editor and publisher of the Belmontonian, Belmont's online source for hyperlocal news. Thanks for stopping over. Thank you for having me. Uh, there is a town meeting coming up, and one of the first issues town meeting will address is the Belmont High School. That's right. Uh, town meeting. Uh, we'll have a special town meeting on uh, on uh, Wednesday, the thirteenth uh, and four, uh, the thirteenth of uh, November. It will discuss uh, um, eight uh, items. Uh, of those eight items, will be um, there will be three major items. One will be the debt exclusion for the high school. Then there is also two uh, bylaw, uh, uh, zoning bylaw uh, measures, uh, one for uh, adult marijuana use, and the other one is going to be about the, um, uh, let's South say, the, re the, the redevelopment of, of South Pleasant Street. Let's start with the, the high school, because the high school uh, vote in town meeting really will flow from what happens on election day this coming week, right? That's right. If the, if the, if the town votes against the uh, the debt exclusion uh, for the high school, we won't even have that measure. It'll, it'll just disappear. 
uh, at town meeting. Um, I think uh, most people believe that uh, the high school measure will pass uh, simply because they've had an organized yes program, a yes campaign. Uh, while if there's any no votes, they're very quiet. Uh, a lot of that has to do with what people would come up to me and would say, well, I'd be more vocal about my no vote, but I don't want to be ostracized by my neighbors. And it's true. You know, so you have a motivated group of people who are, you know, uh, standing out with signs, putting out these great leaflets, a very innovative internet uh, campaign. They know who they need to get on, on the ba on, uh, to vote, and they're getting them, them to vote. I still think it's going to be a little closer than many people think, but I think it will pass simply because you do have an organized campaign. And the the vote or the issue is very straightforward. That's right. Either either you want to uh, 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 basically um, have a debt exclusion for uh, $213 million, at which, at which time the state will give us uh, $80, $80 million. million. Uh, or you want to go through a very apocalyptic type of uh, approach towards uh, schooling for the next 10 to 20 years, which will mean a lot of modulars, a lot of... Um, basically putting lipstick on a pig, which is the high school, you know, you'd have to read, you, just to get it to be certified by the town, it would take a lot of money to, uh, for asbestos removal and, and just upgrades. It's uh, just kind of funny. But your prediction for town meeting is that town meeting will follow whatever the town votes on election. I don't, th I, I can never see how any, how a town meeting could, could go uh, against a vote of the town uh, uh, pop, against the town voters, simply because it's uh, the will of the people. Let's turn to marijuana. Mm -hmm. We've talked about marijuana before in prior weeks. What's your prediction at town meeting? Well, it, uh, it appears that the, there is a citizen's petition that would uh, extend, uh, the ex, the ex, extend the moratorium for marijuana being placed in the town. Uh, and is that uh, lawful? Yeah, well, it is, but it would have to go to the, uh, the attorney general, the state attorney general, to approve it. But there's one catch with that, and, and uh, Jeffrey Wheeler, the planning, um, uh, the planning department's uh, head uh, planner, he said that the only reason uh, the AG, the state AG, would give Belmont that uh, uh, extension of the moratorium is if we were still studying it. Well, the planning board has done all the studying that it could. You know, it's uh, it has declared where it wants to go, the hours, and you know, um, and, and they've drawn a map. It really, there's no need for a moratorium, and it's unlikely that the state would approve it. Okay, and then let's talk about community path dollars because town meeting will be asked to appropriate for, community preservation act money. That's right. It's a it's a it's a fast track um, uh, CPC money. It's a it's a first time uh, anybody has asked for the for a, a money early. Basically, uh, usually it's done in in May when the town meeting will will approve um, all the CPC projects. This time we're having a request because the state would really like to see the community path. And one part of that community path, a very small part, but a very important part, is the Alexander Avenue underpass, which, was, which will cost uh, about $400,000 just for the design because it will cost about $4 million to do it itself. But it apparently the uh, state is willing to put a uh, letter uh, stating, uh, when I mean the state, I mean the Department of um, Transportation and the MBTA have stated that they really would like to see that underpath. So for about, so this has been something that's been 
being uh, pushed uh, by t by the town or by town people for about 40 years. So we're, we'll it's likely see that. It's about to happen. Yes. That's great. We've been speaking with Franklin Tucker, editor and publisher of The Belmontonian, Belmont's online source for hyperlocal news. Here's Jane Peters with a look at what there is to do in Belmont in the coming week. In her segment, Jane sits down with Catherine Bonfiglio of Belmont Against Racism to talk about an upcoming event sponsored by Belmont Against Racism. Hi, everybody, and welcome to your community calendar for this week. We have a guest with us today. This is Catherine Bonfilio. She's with the uh, Belmont Against Racism. And um, they have an event coming up on November 15th that she's here to talk to us about today. Thanks for coming in to well, uh, talk about thank this. Thank you for having me. Great. Um, so it's um, a panel discussion on restorative justice. Correct. And it's on November 15th at the First Church in Belmont. Correct. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what we can expect to hear about at this event? So we're calling this Joining the Circle, a panel discussion on restorative justice. And we are calling it uh, Joining the Circle because the uh, Belmont Police Department is joining 22 other communities mm -hmm. as well as the Suffolk and Middlesex District Attorney's Office um, in uh, participating with Communities for Restorative Justice. And Communities for Restorative Justice is a nonprofit, okay. and it provides restorative justice option to, in response to a crime. Okay. And so because uh, we're joining, uh, it's one of the reasons why we're interested. Mm -hmm. um, we're also interested in just curious how restorative justice works. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are too. Yeah, uh, and we're interested in hearing from other uh, folks who have used restorative justice in their practice. Great. Can you give us a quick and uh, simple, as simple as it can be, explanation of what restorative justice is? So restorative justice is a tool that is used for keeping communities safe and keeping offenders mm -hmm. out of the criminal justice system. Okay. While it seems like a kind of new uh, concept to most of us, it has its roots in indigenous people's mm -hmm. uh, use of uh, for, for uh, restoring justice to a community. Okay. And it uses um, a process of circle dialogues. And in those, you bring the stakeholders together, mm -hmm. uh, so the offender and the victim, mm -hmm. in a safe environment. And the victim gets to have a strong voice to determine how the harm should be uh, repaired. Okay. Um, oh, so that's sort of the basis mm -hmm. of it. Um, it adds another tool for law enforcement to use when it's determined appropriate. Mm -hmm. um, and the nice thing that we're seeing is that the data is showing a re reduction in recidivism or reoffending, okay. mm -hmm. and a lot higher uh, level of satisfaction from the victims when this is used. Okay, good. So uh, this is something that uh, the Belmont Police Department is looking to implement? Yes, they're in the process of training right now. Oh, great. Okay, so can you talk a little bit about who's going to be at the panel to discuss So we're really excited because we have quite an impressive uh, panel of expertise. Um, our state senator, William Brownsberger, he's chairperson of the Joint Committee on the Judiciary. Mm -hmm. And Senator Brownsberger was um, a key to the recent criminal justice reform in our, in our state. Mm -hmm. And there is a section on restorative justice, so he'll be addressing that. We have Erin Freeborn. She's the executive director of Communities for Restorative Justice, okay. so she'll set the stage mm -hmm. for us about what it is uh, and how it's practiced. Uh, Belmont Police Chief Richard McLaughlin will uh, tell us how training is going and what, what, how they're going to be using it here in Belmont. 
Um, Arlington Police Chief Fred Ryan, who's a strong proponent of, of restorative justice, mm -hmm. they use restorative justice in Arlington, oh, so we're going to hear how it's been used. Uh, and so we're really excited to have, have him. And Middlesex District Attorney Marion Ryan so is going to be talking about it from the Middlesex uh, District's uh, perspective and a representative from Sheriff Katusian's office. So you can mm -hmm. see we have a lot of law enforcement expertise yeah. here, and we really hope the community comes out to hear them. Great. And so um, you're, you said that the Belmont Police Department is already in... Um, training for learning how to implement this. Is this event uh, aimed at just people in the public to learn about what this is going to look like or what's really the goal? Yeah, I think primarily it's to, it's so new to some to so many of us. Mm -hmm. um, I think we need to sort of learn more about it. Mm -hmm. um, we're also curious to see how it can be used in other institutions. Some communities, the schools use it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm also curious to see in a more sort of broader perspective okay. how it could be yeah, used. implemented in different ways. Great. Well, this sounds like a really interesting and um, informational panel that you're going to be having. So, again, the day November 15th, it's going to be held 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the First yep. Church in Belmont. That's right. We have refreshments at 6.30, so come oh, early perfect. and you can talk to some of us. A little bit of motivation. Uh, and we have quite a few co-sponsors. Could I name yeah, them? Yeah, sure. so it's Belmont Against Racism, the Belmont Human Rights Commission, the Belmont League of Women Voters, the Belmont Religious Council, mm -hmm. and the Social Action Commu uh, Committee of First Church in Belmont. So we okay. have a, a broad coalition yeah, supporting this. Yeah, lots of people this. coming together to talk about this. And if they have more it. questions, you can uh, reach us at belmontagainstracism at gmail.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming in to well, talk about this. thank you for giving us the opportunity. Yeah, we hope you have a great turnout and that it goes really well. It sounds like an awesome program. Yeah, we think so. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. All right, and so with that, we're going to get into next week's events. Visit the library on Monday for Books and Bites with author George Howe Colt as he speaks on his new book, The Game, Harvard, Yale, and America in 1968, about an unforgettable group of young athletes who battled in the legendary Harvard-Yale football game amidst the sweeping currents of one of the most transformative years in American history. Autumn is upon us and the forest has become a colorful display. Families can create their own woodland crown and explore the changes to the trees and forest floor on Tuesday at 10 a.m. Register for this program and see all programs at Habitat at MassAutobahn.org. As a thank you to local veterans, the Belmont Council on Aging will host its fourth annual Veterans Breakfast, free for veterans on Thursday at 9.30. This event will highlight the commemoration of 100 years of Armistice Day, recount World War I, and feature a performance by Belmont Hill School's B-Flats. Call the center to reserve your seat by Wednesday. The Belmont Boosters brings Haley Scupra to the Chenery Auditorium on Thursday at 7 to speak as part of their speaker series. Skarupa is a gold medalist in the 2018 U.S. Women's Olympic Hockey Team, a BC grad, and player on the Boston Pride Women's Hockey Team. Catch Shrek the Musical at several showings from Thursday through Sunday. The First Church in Belmont's children's choirs, consisting of kids in grades K through 9, are putting on this family favorite all weekend. You can purchase tickets on the church's website or at the door. QV Fine Wines and Il Casale are joining forces for an autumn pasta and fine wine tasting on Monday, November 12th at 6.30. The event boasts six courses featuring an exclusive Barolo, white truffles from Alba, and a tour of Italy's unique pastas. See the full menu and purchase your tickets on Eventbrite. 
And before we wrap up this week, we want to say a very happy birthday to Francesco Antonino Rivali, who just turned 100 this week. Happy birthday to you from all of us at Belmont Journal. Belmont High's Performing Arts Center will be presenting Shakespeare's Two Gentlemen of Verona as their fall high school play. Joanna Juvela stopped in at some of the rehearsals and talked with both the director and some of the performers. I'm Ezra Flam. I am the theater teacher at Belmont High School and the producer and director of the Performing Arts Company and the director of the fall play, Two Gentlemen of Verona, which is our fall Shakespeare show. Um, and it first takes place in Verona, where my character Valentine is saying goodbye to Proteus as I'm going off to Milan to be in the Duke's court. Um, once I get there, I fall in love with the Duke's daughter, Sylvia. Um, while also at home, Proteus is in love with this girl, Julia, uh, but is then summoned to also be with um, Valentine in Milan. Once he gets to Milan, though, he falls in, also in love with Sylvia. Um, and then from then on, it is what takes place after that. Rockin' let go back, bruns and touch, thou friend of an ill fashion! Valentine! Thou common friend that without faith or love for such is a friend now. Um, I'm Anna Moss. I'm the scenic designer here at Belmont High School. Um, I work with our amazing crew chiefs and a technical director and then also Mr. Flam to design and construct and paint all of the set for uh, Two Gentlemen of Verona. Um, our inspiration for this was that we're trying to create a cityscape. We're trying to really give that feel of the density of a city with one unit set, which means nothing moves. Um, that can also transform to be two different cities and the woods. Um, so our goal was to think of how to make things that are changeable and can be interpreted multiple ways and can be lit interestingly in order to create different effects. So we're covering one building with ivy because when we're in the woods we can light it more green and then it's just like a space that's kind of textured and covered in ivy or making a cafe which is so city oriented and when we're in the smaller city, there's lots of laundry and there's not as many cafe tables out. So that's our main inspiration. Our color palette's very Italian inspired and that's about it. I think it's important for people to see this show because there are some changes that have been made from the original version. And I think they're very timely changes that sort of reflect what has, <laughs> how we have, um, learn to address different issues such as women's rights and just treating people in general in with respect from like Elizabethan times to current present day. I think it's a very timely alter, alteration to the show. This past Monday, all of the employees at Belmont's Town Hall were waiting for kids to visit for trick-or-treating. With their most beautiful costume, the kids receive both treats and tricks from Belmont employees. Last year when I was in Shirley, it was something that we decided to do. Um, we thought it would be fun to open town halls and community to a younger generation, and we thought Halloween would be a great opportunity because they'd come, we'd all get dressed up, we'd give out candy. Um, it was successful in Shirley, so I wanted to try it here and see what happened. And it, it beyond my expectations, the number of kids that showed up. So I think next year will be even bigger.
Help you some candy. Hi guys. Is this the town and ministry? Yeah. Whoa, this is put out there that we would all, my office would be dressing up and we said themes would be good or people that just wanted to dress up in their favorite costume. Yeah, some people get really into it, so at least my office. Yeah, we're hoping this is the, the pilot and then next year we'll get an even better team. That was awesome. One of Belmont's fine Halloween traditions is the Belmont Center Painting Contest. Mary Nielsen and her daughter Vicki, who co-own Chocolate Dreams in Belmont Center, have organized the event for the past six years. Belmont Center's Frederic Rivolo has had the opportunity to sit down with Mary and talk to her about the contest. My name is Mary Nielsen. I'm a co-owner of A Chocolate Dream in Belmont Center. I have to admit, my daughter did most of the work. However, I help. We love to do this every year. Um, we love to, we love the kids and the community and how it brings everybody together and people sharing, you know. It's like, it's a good, it's a good thing to do. And we do it because the Belmont Center Business Association we raise the money and we give it to the Foundation for Belmont Education. It's a fundraising. We actually um, got about 114 kids this year, children, which uh, the number goes up every year. They, they all had a good time and um, it's a good thing to do. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the Belmont Journal. Thank you for watching. I'm your host, Roger Colton. I will talk to you again next time.